Welcome back to another exciting episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And as always, my weekly guest is Sports Vision's Thrift Berenger. Thrift, great having you back here on the show once again. I'm ready to talk some basketball with you. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun, Richard. Um, but beforehand, I do have to say, Richard and I, along with my brother, had an amazing time at the Brooks on Pacelli Elite Eight game in Macon. A lot of fun, a lot of fellowship. Um, it was an incredible, incredible day. Pacelli laid it to Brooks Owen in the second half. First half was competitive. Third quarter dominated by Pacelli. They ended up winning by 13. Had a lot of fun. And Pacelli's going to play in the Final Four on Thursday in Macon. Looking forward to going to that. We will not be able to live stream. Uh, Coach Corey Black reached out, was hoping that me and you could go down there and live stream. But the GIAA said they are going to make their money. And they're going to have a link where you have to pay your $30 to be able to watch the Pacelli Vikings play. They will not allow anyone else to go and do it because they do on the right. So we won't be able to do that. But still an excellent season, a lot of fun. And looking forward to talking to basketball on this show. All right. I got to talk about the Hardaway Lady Hawks. Thrift, they punched their ticket to the Final Four. Unreal. They, they defeated Northwest Whitfield by a score of 48 to 42, a defensive game. You know, I know we have the shot clock in, in the GHSA. They had to go all the way up to Tunnel Hill, which is just outside of Dalton. That's making that trip. That's your old stomping grounds, isn't it? Uh, well, well, I'm originally not from Tennessee, but, you know, up to Dalton, like on the way to Chattanooga. But, yeah, that, that's quite a drive. But playing on the road, they get the win. Congratulations to Coach Kelly Ellison and the Hardaway Lady Hawks. I had an opportunity to see them this season. You know, we saw them at the the Muskogee County Christmas Tournament. I also yeah. saw them uh, taking on Shaw. And guess what, Thrift? They're in the Final Four. It, Unreal. Incredible. Absolutely. And you know what? They don't have to travel that far. They're going to go to the campus of Fort Valley State, which is about an hour from where we are on March the 3rd. Yeah, this should be a lot of fun. That's going to be on Friday when they play their Final Four game. Um, but I, I want to say first off, Kelly Ellison, uh, one of the best coaches in this area. I, I had the pleasure of talking with her, an athletic director and men's basketball coach for Hardaway, Kendall Mills. She has done a phenomenal job rebuilding this program. Her bet three best player, Azara uh, Burrell, AK, that what they call her, AK Shelton, Akila Shelton, or AK Shelton, and Makila Johnson. These girls are unbelievable when you watch them play, and they're only sophomores. That means they still have two years of getting better, and they're this dominant, already in the Final Four. Great job by Kelly. They have a chance to win a state championship in 4A. If that were to happen, I can only see – I mean, the sky's the limit, obviously. But expectations are going to be undefeated for them for the next two years. And rumor has it they may be adding players too. If they do do that, they could be the greatest girls team assembled we've ever seen in this area. We've seen a lot of talented players. Carver's had some over the years. Kendrick from a few years ago under um, Sterling Hicks. We've seen players win state championships here. We've seen dominant teams. But I'm going to be honest with you. Michaela Johnson's a dog. A.K. Shelton can block shots from anywhere on the court. And she's gotten pretty good around the rim finishing on the offensive end and getting the offensive glass. And Burrell, who her and Michaela Johnson were co-players of the year and uh, all-region, Burrell is an automatic point guard and a floor general that does a fantastic job. She's got a really good team. Really impressed with her. And by the way, her sister, Kim Ellison, head coach at Brookstone. By the way, they play in the Final Four tomorrow. Yes, we have two coaches who are sisters who are both in the Final Four. That's pretty amazing. Tomorrow at 7 on the campus of Mercer University, it's Brookstone versus First Presbyterian Day. Yo, Brookstone was the number 7 seed. They knocked off Bullock Academy, the number two seed. That's an upset, but now they're yeah, but taking I on. Say, I will say, though, Richard, if you look at Brookstone, before they played Pacelli the first time, they were 17-3. and three. Taylor Williams, their leading scorer, who averaged 27 a game, was all-region player of the year and going to be all-state. She got hurt. She That's missed right. both Pacelli games. She missed uh, another game that she had at home. 
that you missed against Westfield. And because of this, Brookstone lost three or four games down the stretch, which if they had her, I don't think they lose, and they would have been a top four seed. Now, as a seven seed, they're fully healthy with Williams back. You have a, a team that should be ranked higher if they're fully healthy all season as a seven seed. So they're underseeded, but we know why, because they did lose the games. She did miss them, um, but fantastic win against Bullock. And now they have a chance against First Presbyterian Day, and I've watched him against uh, Pacelli. That's a very winnable game for the Brookstone Cougars. Absolutely. However, we did have a team here in the Chattahoochee Valley. Their season did come to an end uh, in the Elite Eight, the Carver Lady Tigers. But, you know, they are taking on a very tough Wesleyan team up in the metro Atlanta area. And Coach Anson Hunley has had a great season. They have a lot of great players. Uh, Kaylee Simpson is going to play at Georgia Southwestern University. We're going to be able to see her when they come into the Lumpkin Center when they take on the Lady Cougars. I mean, so she's not she's not being too far from home. Absolutely not. And I, I'm surprised, Richard, that our Columbus State on Matt Hauser didn't go after her. Yeah. I would think that he would go after hometown girls. And if you look at their roster, there's not a lot of Columbus girls on a Columbus State team. And we got a lot of good teams around here. And – I don't think anyone would would say that you know Columbus State's too good for girls around here when we have a lot of talented girls. Um, but with that being said, Carver great season. Kaylee Simpson, her dad Curtis Simpson, good friend of mine. Um, she's an elite player. She's had a fantastic career. She has won a state championship before two years ago. She won one as a freshman, as a sophomore, didn't win one as a junior, and then this year comes in and in at the in the Elite Eight. Um, but just Anson Hunley just has a premier program. Jasmine Cheney, who hit seven threes and the Sweet 16. I mean, just incredible team. And uh, sad they lost, but still a great year. Over in Alabama, we had two other teams that fell in the Final Four, the Lochapoca girls and the Lynette girls. Ah. Uh, yeah, it it's tough. I mean, when you they Lynette lost to Cold Springs 44 to 37. You know, all these games were in Alabama. You know, the Lochapoca girls, which I had a chance to call that game when they took on AL Johnson. Yeah, I was about they, to say, go, Lochapoca. You aren't you yeah. to know the coach and you got to talk with him? Did you get to do that? Oh, I, I actually did not get an opportunity to do that, uh, you know, calling for the NFHS network. But uh, they did lose to Spring Garden in the Final Four. But a, a great run for the Lochapoca girls and for the Lynette Lady Panthers. Coming up yes. Next. Valley and Central, they are coming up next. Valley plays tomorrow against Scottsboro at Legacy Arena in Birmingham as Coach Marshawn Harper still undefeated, trying to go for that perfect season, trying to get that state championship before Valley goes away and becomes another school because they are merging with Lafayette. And then the Central Red Devils, they are in the Final Four as well, taking on Spain Park. They are taking on Spain Park on March the 2nd. And, of course, we have Pacelli playing on Friday in the Final Four as well. I'm, I'm kind of sad, Thrift, that, that basketball is coming to an end. Yeah. But you still have uh, the state championships next week. We got the Selection Sunday is on March the 12th. While we were talking, I was streaming the Kennesaw State-Queens game. Kennesaw State was able to win that to go to the semifinals in the A-Sun. And then, uh, you they know, we're... The A-Sun. They will not get an at-large bid. No. They will have to win. They could maybe get in the NIT. With maybe. It be a lower seed, but they will not get in unless they win. So even with it being a great year, they still have to win their conference championship, which is a tall task and tough to do. Um, but you're right. It's sad. GIAA will come to an end this week. You got the semifinals. Pacelli plays in. The girls are on with Brookstone plays on Wednesday. The boys play on Thursday. And the state championship for both will be on Saturday, all at Mercer. And uh, going to keep cheering for the teams we still have alive. Spencer plays tomorrow as well in the Elite Eight. We're hoping they go to the Final Four. And like you said, next week um, will be the state championships um, for the GHSA. Uh, but it's been a good last couple of months. I'm exhausted. I will tell you, I've uh, caught a lot of games, over 40 of them. Plan on doing a couple of baseball games throughout the season. And I know, Richard, you'll be joining me with that. Should, we'll, we'll, we'll have fun with that as well. 
Um, but another great year in the Muscogee County. And I'm just crossing my fingers as I'm a guy and I'm, I'm bleeding Viking red. And I'm hoping they can pull one out and win a state championship for Coach Corey Black and the Viking family. I am with you, Thrift, and you know that you and I are basketball fans. I forgot to mention, the Columbus State Cougars and Lady Cougars are in the Peach Belt Conference Tournament this week as well. The Cougars are taking on University of North Georgia on Thursday. The Lady Cougars are uh, taking on uh, Clayton State on the 1st in Americus, Georgia. So good luck to the Cougars and Lady Cougars, Coach Moore, Coach Hauser. You know, we're pulling for you in the Peach Belt Conference Tournament. Yep, and shout-out to Scott Miller. Hopefully he'll be able to live stream and broadcast those games. And uh, absolutely, basketball comes to an end. Uh, we reflect on what has been, a, a, I thought, a pretty, pretty daggum cool year uh, for me as a broadcaster, and of course for the teams around this area. And excited about the March 16th Sam Mark Foundation Awards luncheon hosted by Sports Visions, myself, and DJ Jones. And uh, glad that we'll be able to do that March 16th on Thursday. Um, but still, a lot of sports left to still be played. I know Jack and Rex and Tyler, I mean, they're all over the place. And they got a busy week coming up as well, Richard. Oh, Thrift, we almost forgot. Tomorrow, Spencer plays yeah, I, in I the Elite Eight. Spencer, they play in the Elite Eight. And uh, hopefully they can win as well. So right now, Carver's out. We got Hardaway girls still alive, Brookstone girls, Pacelli boys, and Spencer boys are the four teams left. Two girls, two boys. Um, and if Spencer wins, they'll make it the final four right now. Hardaway, Brookstone, and Pacelli are the teams that have made it to the final four. Pacelli plays George Walt, and that team is very big as they normally are, and they, they're a pretty big school as well. They win that, I would fully expect, as Tattnall Square got upset by Logan Christian, the five seed. They play Stratford. Me, Richard, we got to watch Stratford a little bit. They're very eerily similar to Pacelli. Stratford also has some guys that are going to the D1 level, just like a Bocelli. Should be a well-coached well, well game and a well-played game if that is the matchup we see in the state championship. First, Bocelli's got to get past George Walton. And the one thing that Bocelli doesn't have that George Walton does is size. But also, George Walton doesn't have near the guards or the playmakers that Bocelli does. So we'll see which strength will work out and in what should be a great, fantastic Final Four matchup on Thursday. Fred, before we switch gears and talk about the NBA, there is one other set of basketball that I really want to give a shout-out to, and that's the middle school Final Four taking place in the city of Columbus. Just a big shout-out to these schools. Aaron Cohn, Fort, we have Rothschild, Midland, it's all being played at Spencer High School. But, Thrifta, you got something going on with the middle schools on March yeah, the um, 11th. Yeah, I will be able to get to do that. Looking forward to it. It's an all-star event going on with Porter Sports. But actually, tomorrow, I will be broadcasting the semifinal games for the boys. Nice. So I'm glad to be able to do that. And I'm looking forward to it. I'll be talking with Jeff Battles tomorrow about setting up. And then on Friday, the championship that will be held at Columbus State. So it should be a lot of fun. Middle school's got the championship going on, Final Fours. And GHSA, a lot happening these next couple of weeks. Um, next Saturday will be the Porter Sports double coverage and Thrift Behringer Sports Visions will all be covering and being a part of what should be a good all-star weekend festivity for middle school. High school will be a few weeks after that. Of course, Sports Vision, San Mark Foundation Awards Luncheon. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks enjoying it and then looking forward to spring break heading into April. Well, because my kids go to Matthews, we are rooting for Aaron Cohn. So, yay. <laughs> no, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, well, Thrift, we did hear the news actually broke uh, yesterday after the game where LeBron willed his way back from a 27-point deficit to beat the Mavericks because it's playoff time for the Lake Show. I mean, they have every single game is playoffs, but he is going to be out for a couple of weeks, and right now, the Grizzlies are are leading the Lakers by 11 with about eight minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. I don't think the Lakers could even get in the play-in game if they don't have a healthy LeBron. There's no doubt about it. And it, Let alone, why would you even want to watch him in the play-in game because of what's happening um, with this roster? You know, D'Angelo Russell coming back from injury. He's apparently got an ankle injury. We're hoping that he's okay. 
Um, then you trade for Malik Beasley. The, the bright spot, Jared Vanderbilt, who's a guy that can switch and play defense everywhere. He's lights out on the defensive end. He can finish around the rim. He's got a decent 15-foot jumper. He had 15 and 17 the other day uh, against the Mavericks. And the, for one, I, I don't even think even healthy the Lakers could beat Memphis at Memphis because the Memphis Grizzlies are 25 and 5 at home. But now without LeBron, looking at the stats, you got Austin Reeves. By the way, it was so funny seeing him telling Josh Green he'll F him up. I, I just, it, it blew me away. I was like, dang, Austin, I didn't know you were that type of trash talker. You've only been in the league for a few years. Like, it's not like you're an all-star or superstar yet. He has 17. You got Lonnie Walker with 18. Ashmere has been decent. Vanderbilt has not scored a lot. And so you got Schroeder and Beasley holding down the fort with Vanderbilt. And then Davis, of course, got 22, 16 points, five blocks, and no assists. So they're doing this without Russell and LeBron. They, they were not had no chance of winning this game. And I'm with you. They're 29 and 32. They're going to have to get at least five, six games above 500 to even make it in the playing game. If they do with a fully healthy roster, maybe so. But now with these two weeks, with LeBron being out, if they, let's say, looking at their schedule and looking at who they have coming up in these next couple weeks with LeBron being out, they got to play at Oklahoma City on Wednesday, then Minnesota at home, uh, at home against Golden State, at home against Memphis, Toronto at home, New York Knicks at home, at New Orleans, at Houston, and then Dallas and Orlando at home. And from my estimation, he wouldn't be coming back to around March the 15th. That'd probably be the at Houston game. That's two weeks from now. If looking at that without him, I, I don't know if they win at home against Golden State. That's probably a loss. Memphis at home is probably a loss. And the way the Knicks are playing, they're playing outside their mind. So basically, if they don't go 500 and keep it at least three games below 500 for him to come back and hopefully he can win – you know, several games to at least get above 500. I don't know if they make the playoffs. I, in my opinion, if they play, let's say we'll look at it, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that he misses. They have to go no worse four and three. They go three and four and continue to build upon the sub-500 season they're already at, Richard. They're not making the playoffs. Look at how deep the West is. It's not happening. And that's a tall task to ask to do without Russell and LeBron. So Russell's going to have to come back healthy. Anthony Davis is going to have to play at an MVP level, putting up 30 or 40 a game, which is a lot because, remember, he's injury prone. I just don't see any positivity right now with the Los Angeles Lakers. Thrift, who do you have coming out of the West and representing the West in the finals? I know that you are a huge Kings fan, and I would love, to see, like the Bean, make it to an NBA Finals. Consider the fact they didn't even do it 20 years ago when they were cheated out of Game 6 against the Lakers. I think this Kings team is the story of the NBA. I think Mike Brown is probably going to be Coach of the Year. Crazy it may sound. You're like, Mike Brown? Mike Brown, the one that coached at Cleveland, got fired from the Lakers five games into the season in 2012-2013. Yeah, that Mike Brown. He's the coach for the Kings, and they're 35-25. and 25. I think it's between two teams or three teams. I'm not told on the Grizzlies. I think they got a target on their head. I think even if they finish as a second seed or third seed, they're going to get ousted because people are coming for their neck. And I'm just not a believer in this team this year, the way they are carrying themselves. I think it's between Phoenix, the Clippers, and the Nuggets. I cannot put Golden State there. They've been injury prone this year. It's not the same Golden State team from last year. If they're fully healthy, of course I think they can make a deep run. But you're asking right now, who do I think? Of course, the Nuggets with Jokic, who's playing out of his mind, another MVP level, two-dom, back-to-back MVP. The Suns, Kevin Durant comes back healthy with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and the way they're playing, yes, I think they can make a deep run. And the Clippers, because Kawhi Leonard is playing like old Kawhi with Paul George, Westbrook, if he can fit in somehow. They have a very deep 8-10. to 10. They probably have the deepest roster in the NBA with one of the best coaches in Tyron Lue, those would be my three favorites. And if you had to pick one, well, like I said, Kevin Durant was looking like the best player in the league. Um, like I've said before, maybe not right now, but playing like the best player in the league about 
a month ago before he got hurt, a month and a half ago. He gets back to that level with Chris Paul finally getting healthy, Devin Booker putting up 27 a game, and Aiton being as dominant as he is. I mean, how can you not pick against that team? I, I, there's no chance I would. Thrift, the Quinn Snyder era has begun in Atlanta. I agree with you. I heard you and DJ on Sports Visions. This is a home run hire. I know you wanted Ime Adoka. I mean, he would have been a good choice too, but Quinn Snyder is a great head coach that can develop players. And with the Hawks starting five, they could go up against anybody in the Eastern Conference. I, I strongly feel that. Right now, I think the Hawks can be a number three seed behind Boston and Milwaukee. I mean, is that crazy or do you think that philly's better i mean i think the hawks can get to a number four seed if they get in a run but I, I actually think the hawks team with quinn snyder can win a playoff game in my opinion the best team in the east is the milwaukee bucks and they're doing and they're by the way they won 14 straight and they're still winning without Giannis playing right now um that's amazing middleton comes back to being the middleton we've seen Drew Holiday has been an all-NBA type caliber player. Probably him and Brooke Lopez as co-defensive players of the year. I love this team. Joe Ingles is, is playing lights out off the bench. Bobby Grayson Portis. Right, and Grayson Allen's knocking down shots. I, I Bucks would be my favorite. The Celtics, you have to put them up there as well. I do like what I saw from the 76ers. I know they lost to the, Buc the Celtics. They wanted to win. But Joel Embiid, my, right now, is my favorite to win the MVP. He's got to get one. As dominant as he is, I know everyone looks at the stats and thinking Jokic, but Embiid does so much for this team. Harden's played well. I, those three teams are the juggernauts that I would put at the top of my list. And then you've got Cleveland, New York Knicks, uh, the Heat, and the Hawks are the four teams are going to vie for that four spot. Now, Cleveland's 39-26, and 26, the Hawks, if they win, and they're winning by four right now with about five minutes remaining in that game. If they do win this game, they'll be 32-30. and 30. And I'm with you. It is a home run higher. But I don't think they're going to be able to catch Cleveland. Cleveland's going to have to lose a lot of games over the next several weeks. I don't see that happening. I see Cleveland getting over 50 wins. The Hawks, for them to even get the 50 plateau, are going to have to go 19 and two, the last twenty-one games. Wow! I don't, I don't think that's possible. I did look at the schedule: a fifteen and six type run, fourteen and seven, heck, even sixteen and five is in the realm. But that means best case scenario, forty-seven and thirty-five. I think that's a five seed, which is okay, because in my opinion, and I'm going to keep saying that because everyone gets so mad at your hot takes. I think fully healthy. With Quinn Snyder coaching, this Hawks team can beat Cleveland in seven games. Now, can they beat Milwaukee? I don't know about that. Can they beat Philly in seven games? I don't know. The Celtics, probably not. But right now, I think it would be a win for the way this season has gone. If the Hawks got the 10 games over 500, won at least one playoff round, upsetting Cleveland, and then playing against maybe a tough series against the Bucks or the Celtics, whoever's the number one seed, I think that's a win for Quinn Snyder and something to build on for next year and trying to get a, one of those higher seeds. But I, I can't put them in the caliber as a contender yet with the Phillies, with the Philadelphia 76ers, with the Celtics, and with the Bucks. I'm just – I'm not ready to put them there. And you know the main reason why? I'm not ready to put Trey Young in the same category as a Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, heck, even Jalen Brown – and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Those, they have all caliber MVP, top three players in the league, top five players. The way Trey Young's playing right now, and the reason that Nate McMillan got fired was because of his actions. Heck, he may play great down the stretch, and he may get to that point being top ten. But right now, Richard, I'm not ready to put him in there. And honestly, I think there's a lot more pressure on him than anyone else on the Hawks on how this season ends because if it doesn't end well, you're not firing Quinn Snyder, and no one apparently wants to trade for John Collins. You probably get a lot more assets for Trey Young. He may be the one to go. So we'll see how it, we'll see how it plays out. Um, but you know, I'm not ready to put them in that plateau. But I do think they can make a run and get to that five seed. But that means they got to go against the Heat and the Knicks. 
who are both really good teams, and we know how good they play this year. Thrift, the other night, Damian Lillard scored 71 points, and I was listening to local sports talk radio. They said that Damian Lillard, who doesn't want to be traded out of Portland, he likes Portland, but he needs to be teamed up with another superstar if he wants to take his game to the next level and get a ring. I strongly feel if Damian Lillard goes to a place like Philly, teams up with another superstar like Joel Embiid, the Sixers would be finals favorites. Would you agree that if Damon Lillard has to just team up with another superstar to get a ring? They wanted to trade Maxi and Simmons last year for Damian. Philadelphia didn't want to give up Maxi, and I don't think Damian wanted to get traded yet. Looking back on it now, the way Simmons has been atrocious. I have never seen a superstar. And this is hot take thrift. I'm talking about steam coming out of my head. I've never seen a superstar so full of himself and oblivious to how ignorant he can sound. That podcast he went on with J.J. Reddick talking about he can do this, he can do that. People hate on him all the time. He's the 13th man on a Nets team that doesn't have Kyrie or KD. And the coach is coming out saying, I don't know what to do with them. And then if you think from the Ben Simmons three years ago, Richard, this would be the perfect situation. A guy that can play defense against anyone and likes to facilitate. He's got Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Seth Curry. All these guys can knock down shots while he can have a wide open lane to go to the rack. He's a show of himself. Crazy. And the 76ers could have got rid of him. And I understand Maxie, but I think Maxie and Lillard's a fair trade. And you're giving up Simmons basically for nothing, which he's not worth anything right now. I with you. Damian Lillard, James Harden, and of course... Joel Embiid with Tobias Harris, that would be a really good roster. Um, they would be definitely one of the favorites, not only in the East, in the entire NBA. I'm looking at the Portland Trailblazers roster right now and looking at their stats. This is how easy it is for people to score in the NBA. Anthony Simmons, who's a really good young player, is averaging 21 points a game for the Trailblazers. Jeremy Grant, another really good consistent player who plays good defense, is averaging 20, and Damian Lillard is averaging 32. That's three guys averaging 20 points. You put this team in the league 10, 15 years ago, they're a top three team in the West. They're a contending team to win a championship. But because of how easy it is to score now in the NBA, scoring 20 points is not a big deal anymore, Richard. And that's why you got a team in Portland that's got three 20-point scores and still two games under 500, and probably not going to make the playoffs. So I'm with – you're going to have to find another two-way player, and nobody's going to want to go to Portland. So Damian eventually is going to have to say, I'm out. I know he went on a podcast saying they ain't going to be able to they, – they're not going to want to hear what I got to say when I won a championship here. Don't let me win a championship in Portland. You're never going to win a championship in Portland, Damian, because either Portland's got to rebuild and find a top-notch prospect like Victor Wimbanyama, which means they got to trade Lillard or be – absolutely atrocious right now they're at that middle pack which is no man's land and i just don't see it ever happening but 71 points a good feat he's an excellent player had a great career and it's sad that he's ever going to be able to contend for a championship unless he gets traded all right well the new ap poll just came out and houston is still number one with 49 percent of the first place votes alabama at number two with all the the, the drama that's going on with Alabama with the whole Brandon Miller situation and his uh, teammate, Darius Miles, uh, how is Alabama able to win these games with all these distractions? It looks like they're going to get a number one seed and they're possibly going to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. We've had a great year. Nate Oates is a great coach. I don't like this situation, Richard. I said on the Sports Business Radio Show with DJ when we talked about this. The character of how a young man carries himself can go a long way in how he gets drafted in the NFL, in the MLB, or in the NBA. Looking at Brandon Miller, yes, it is incredible with everything surrounding him. It reminds me of that Cam Newton 2010 year. Remember, they had all those news come out. Urban Meyer was the one that leaked it. Mississippi State, Dan Mullen, that he, he was paid for play, and they needed to suspend him. They suspended him for one day during the week, and then they said, the NCAA said, oh, but he's good. So he was able to play against Georgia. He was able to play in the SC Championship game. 
Alabama, everything that's surrounding this program, they're talking about he may be suspended. His dad offered pay for play. Down 24 to nothing and led Auburn back in one of the greatest comebacks in the history of college football against a Nick Saban-led defense. That is impressive to have all that stuff going on, and yet you can say razor-sharp focus to win a game like that. And Brandon Miller, scoring 41 against South Carolina. Yes, South Carolina is overrated, but it was impressive to see how he can block things out. All that got negated with the pat-down pregame antics he did this past weekend. You can't make light of a situation in which someone died, and that's what he did. Nate saying it was inappropriate, and he wasn't paying it. Are you kidding me? You weren't paying attention to your player during a warm-up? should have known that's nonsense. Now you have even a bigger target on your back. Alabama's had a great year. They are number two team in the country. They're Right now, Joe Lenardi says the number one overall team in the tournament, if they went out and win the SEC, then you got to play Auburn at home and then at Texas A&M, uh, the second-best team in the SEC, another surprise, Buzz Williams team. I just don't like the situation. And eventually, when you have that dark cloud hanging above your head, it does become a factor. It may not right now during the regular season, but it could be in the conference tournament or could even worse in the NCAA tournament. Eventually, it's going to come down. And I'm hoping, hoping it gets rectified. But to hear that Brandon Miller was involved at any point with what happened with Darius Miles, Davis and and the young lady that got murdered it blows my mind that someone that talented would want to even get in bed with someone like Darius Miles and want to go through with nonsense like this it's crazy selection Sunday is March the 12th the thrift we're going to have a the first round of the NCAA tournament March the 16th and 17th they'll be here before you know it that that's really my favorite days is watching yeah Oh, yeah. That, that Thursday and Friday where it starts at 12 o'clock, doesn't end until 12. It's literally 12 hours of 16 games on Thursday, 16 on Friday, and even, heck, in the weekend, eight games on Saturday all day, eight games on Sunday. That first weekend is phenomenal. I got to say this, though, Richard, and what I meant was in bed with Darius, I don't mean that literally, more figuratively, saying that if your buddy calls you to, hey, come and do something – I wouldn't want to go and join him if he says, hey, I got to take care of this, and says, can you bring me my gun? That should have been red flag number one, Richard. Of course. And the point that you, right now, are playing out of your mind, you've worked your way from someone that was potentially maybe a late lottery pick to the top five, and you've got this nonsense surrounding you, it's going to affect his draft status. Auburn has to win at Alabama or at home against Tennessee to be a lock in the NCAA tournament. They're 19 to 10. They've been a very inconsistent team all year. If Auburn's able to win one of those two games, it doesn't really matter what happens in the NCAA, I mean, the SEC tournament. If they lose both, they're going to have to win a couple games, in my opinion, the SEC tournament to make it. Right now, they're 10 seed by Lenardi. If they do beat Tennessee and maybe win two games in the, in the SEC tournament, I do think Auburn could get up to an eight or nine seed. If they have a deep run in the SEC tournament, maybe a seven or six seed. Um, but I just don't – I'm not very high on this Auburn team. Outside of Alabama, even Tennessee's been inconsistent. And Kentucky, I put those two teams maybe sweet 16 teams. But the only team that I think can make a deep run to win a championship and a Final Four run, it has to be Alabama. That's it. Texas A&M, Tennessee, uh, and Texas A&M, Tennessee. Who was the other team that I just said? Kentucky. All those teams can get the second weekend, but Final Four, that would be a stretch. Well, it looks like uh, the NCAA tournament is going to be wide open this year. There's just a lot of parity. You don't see a whole lot of blue bloods at the top. There is one team at the top, Kansas, ranked third. They're looking to be, become the first repeat champion since the 06-07 Florida Gators. Um, and I, I think that Kansas has an outside shot at repeating. This is one of those years, Richard, where there is no favorite. Okay? Like, last year, it was pretty open. Um, but we all figured Duke, Auburn uh, was a team, Gonzaga. All these teams would have, you know, Kansas, they were even a number one seed. All these teams 
were, were favorites. This year, uh, even if you tell me right now, Houston, Alabama, Kansas, and UCLA are the number one seeds, I'm not high and confident on any of those. Then you look at the two seeds, Purdue, Marquette, Baylor, and Arizona. Uh, you can't make me put my money on any of them. Moving to three seeds, Gonzaga, Kansas State, Tennessee. Still, it is so up for grab right now. You could have a four or five seed win a national championship year. Think about that. And that, what does that make, Richard? I think that makes a fun NCAA tournament, in my opinion. That means a 15 and a two seed shouldn't be that much of an upset. A 16 and a one, that's probably not going to be a big time upset because these teams are not far away as in the past. Remember that year we had all four number one seeds make it North Carolina, Kansas, Memphis, that Derrick Rose team, Memphis team that we talked about, we talked about a few days ago, Richard, and UCLA. Like, we knew those four teams were dominant. All four of those teams only had three losses or fewer. Not this year. For one, the only team that's going to have two losses or fewer is Houston. Everyone else is going to have four losses or more. I just don't see a dominant team and should make for a fun NCAA tournament. I'm actually pulling for Purdue to get to the Final Four. You know, they've only made a big Pat Painter fan my whole time. And honestly – they have had so many years, Richard. I know you. I'm sorry for interrupting, but they've had so many years. And now they got Zach Eady. I mean, I'm going back to the Caleb Swanigan days. Uh, heck, I'm going back to Travion William, Carson Edwards. He's he's made it to Sweet 16. He made it to Elite Eight once. Glenn Robinson. Glenn Robinson. Uh, Robbie Hummel. I'm going back to Matt Painter when he was coaching. You're going back to Gene Keedy. Katie. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking about more Matt Painter right now. Remember Robbie Hummel, each one more. All these teams very talented. Just never could get over the hump to make it a Final Four. I'm hoping he finally gets one. He's been one of the best coaches in the country for a while. Well, the last time they made it to the Final Four was 1980, and I had to pull up uh, sportsreference.com uh, for that. A couple of Elite Eight tournament appearances for Purdue, but uh, yeah. yeah. Literally just made one about five years ago, 2019 NCAA tournament, Carson Edwards, and they lost Virginia. I remember Virginia. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dominique Dikite hit that last second floater with like one three seconds remaining um to tie the game and they were supposed to win that and could have made it the final four um and that was the year Auburn made it as well absolutely uh Houston has made it to the final four in the last couple of years uh, uh what about UCLA I mean UCLA uh last time they won a championship was uh back in 1995 uh, the Ed O'Bannon years uh, which he's the reason why we don't play uh, college uh, video games anymore, but that's neither here or there. Uh, yeah, and I, I, it's funny. UCLA, remember they did the three straight Final Fours, uh, looking at um, 2006, 2005-2006, remember that year with um, Ryan Holland? Jordan, Jordan Farmar. Farmar yep. uh, Aaron Aflalo. Uh, Aaron Aflalo, Josh Shipp. That team lost to Florida in the National Championship. The next year, lost to Florida in the semifinals. And year after that, with Kevin Love and Russell, Russell Westbrook, um, yep. lost in the Final Four to Memphis under Ben Howland. And they haven't made it. They didn't make it to the Final Four again until two years ago under Mick Cronin in the second year. And they were 11 seed. Remember, they played the first four, had to win five games to get to the Final Four, and lost on that miraculous Hail Mary buzzer beater by Jalen Suggs in overtime or double overtime was an incredible game. This year, Jaime Jaquez, uh, who's been there for a long time, really really good player, averaging 17 and two and a half uh, assists. Jalen Clark's a really good player. Tiger Campbell, all these are junior and senior-led team. Um, and, of course, Amari Bailey, the all-freshman phenom. Mick Cronin's got a good team. This is probably his best team since he's been there. Last year, remember Johnny Juzang and them made the Sweet 16 lawsuit. Oh, yeah. Carolina. I think they're going to be a number one or two seed this year. They can make a Final Four run. And uh, if anybody's going to get them over the hump and get them another national title since that 95-96 year, or excuse me, 94-95 year in which they lost to Arkansas, it's going to be Nick Cronin. Well, UCLA is definitely going to be a number one seed, especially if they win the Pac-12. I think that the winner of the Pac-12, whether it's UCLA or Arizona, are probably going to get the number one seed. So my number one seeds right now are Houston, Alabama, uh, UCLA, and Kansas. Yeah, those will be my number one seeds too. By the way, Atlanta Hawks did lose by three. They blew, oh, they blew boy. the game. 
Um, Trey Young missed a three-pointer that almost got them tied. And Quinn Snyder and his debut cannot get a win. And I always say this. I, I just – it blows my mind if you're Washington. You suck. You're not going to make the playoffs. Why are you playing these games and winning games that do not do not matter? Porzingis is not even playing, and they're celebrating like it's a huge win they just got. Mega, big-time win. Bradley Brill just killing people. Good job. You're 29 and 32. You're not going to make the playoffs, and you're in no man's land. You're not going to get a top-five pick. It's stupid, but... I wouldn't expect anything else from a Washington Wizards organization. And I'm not trying to sound like a hater because Atlanta should have won either way without Porzingis. Well, they were winning the majority of the game. Yeah, and it just blows my mind that organizations like Wizards, you're right now in purgatory. Like, trade Bill, get rid of Porzingis, and suck and rebuild through the draft. Right now, you're just going to be a mid-500 team. Kuzma's a decent player. So is – Porzingis, so is Bill, but you're not good enough to make a run in the playoffs, so what are you doing? And you're not selling seats. No, I mean, Bradley Beal has always been a Hawks killer. I mean, 37 points tonight. And just, I remember those uh, Washington Wizards teams that had Bradley Beal and John Wall in the backcourt. Paul Pierce, toward the end of his career, when uh, they took on the Hawks, and uh, you remember that uh, series where they had uh, uh, Marcin Gortat and then Otto Porter? I mean, uh, that's back when Washington was decent. Yeah, and they remember they, they in 2013-14 lost in the second round in six games to the Pacers. 2014-15 lost in six games to the Hawks. And then 15-16 didn't make the playoffs. 16-17 they had a chance and went to seven games with that Isaiah Thomas-led Boston Celtics and should have beat them to make the conference finals. After that, they have not been a relevant team at all. And, you know, of course, John Wall went down the drain. Kuzma had 28 tonight. Bill had 37. And the Hawks, Bogdanovich had 16. Sadiq Bay had 12. Um, Hunter had 14. Collins had 10. Capella had 13. Young had 31. And DeJounte Murray at 15. All in all, a great team effort. And yet, you blow a lead in the fourth quarter, lose that by eight. And like I said, the Wizards are 29 and 32, and they suck. I, I just, good win for them. But really, what is it accomplishing other than you just three games under 500 now instead of four? Thrip, before we close, let's talk about this 2023 NBA draft because. The best prospect to come out of this draft since, I would say, LeBron is going to be in this draft. I mean, and right now, I was talking to Rex Castillo. He is very hopeful that he could go to the Rockets. But the Rockets have to win the lottery. Hold on. I I hope he doesn't, and I will say this to Rex. Finding you a coach that can hone in Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green when you got guys like John Wall, Eric Gordon, veterans that are laughing at how they carry themselves, laughing how they're playing a glorified pickup game, you got the coach saying Jabari Smith, who is a really good player, is a shell of himself. That's because of you, but he's blaming Jabari for not being involved. How can he get involved when Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. bring the ball up the court and shoot 35 shots a game? I hope Wimbanyama doesn't go there because we'll never see him. We will never ever, until they get a good coach, maybe Yudoka, we will never see the, the full potential of Wimbenyama because Jalen Green, in his mind, is the greatest thing since sliced bread, and he don't care if he's playing with LeBron or Michael Jordan. He's going to get his 30 touches, and I don't like players like that. They're not they're toxic to the league. He's a very talented player, but until he becomes a mature player that knows how to play the game the right way within an NBA system, I hope Wimbanyama doesn't go there. If anything, I want him to go play for Popovich in his last years um, yes. in San Antonio. And I'm hearing that Popovich is going to take a step away and Udoka may be going there. So either way, no to Houston until Houston can rectify their problems with the two-guard system of Porter Jr. and Jalen Green who just jack up millions of shots a game. 
I, I see Wyndham Yama go into the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, the Spurs, are, you know, they've had a bad season, but, you know, they had a bad season in 97, and they landed Tim Duncan. They won five titles because of it. It's, it's like great organizations find a way to get the players on their team. And, you know, looking at the other teams, you know, the Detroit Pistons, they would automatically be a playoff team if Wimbenyama went to the Pistons. Like if for somehow they won the lottery. The Charlotte Hornets, I know that LaMelo Ball is going to be out. I'm actually shocked that the Hornets, which were a play-in game team last year, are one of the worst teams in the NBA. I mean, that is shocking to me. It is shocking, and I don't know what that organization is doing. Heck, does anyone know since Michael Jordan has taken over as owner for that team? Um, LaMelo's out. He shouldn't play. They are obviously trying to take for Wimbenyama. Miles Bridges in that sad situation. I'm hearing he may be coming back. Uh, I don't they, – they traded Jalen McDaniels for nothing, and he's an all, he's a really good player. I, I, I'm with you. Mind-boggling. It's sad. And LaMelo Ball is going to be the first player that turns down the max because, you know, most players sign that max because if they're with the team who they're originally with when they're up for free agency – they can sign a five-year deal for the most money in the league. I can see him turning that down because he doesn't need that. He can, he's can he got money with endorsements, with big ball brand, whatever it may be, and him go to another city because that organization is terrible. By the way, talking about Jalen Green, last year his stats, he had shot 42% from the field, 34% from three, and averaged 17 a game. This year – He's shooting now 39% from the field. That's 3% lower. Shooting four more shots at 18 shots a game. And he is 32% from three. Last year, he took about six and a half threes a game. He's taken close to eight threes a game this year. So, high-volume shooter that is not hitting shots and taken away from, like I said, I, I just, I'm not trying to sound like a hater with Jalen Green. But there's so many people in the NBA that can put up points. Like, I could just – Anthony Simmons putting up 20 points a game. If you go look at the stats right now in the NBA and you just look at how many people are averaging 20 points a game, and I'll pull up the list right now, Richard, and, and you're going to be mind-blown. There is over 40 players averaging 20 points a game in the NBA. Wow. 30, that's 30 teams. Some teams, like the Trailblazers, have three of them and are not winning. Okay? And then if, if you look, I'm willing to bet a, a lot of players that are not getting much playing time could go somewhere. Look at Jameis Wiseman, who barely got any playing time with the Warriors, just put up 23 and 10 with the Pistons because he's on a bad team. Yes. But th- that's what I'm talking about. Putting up 21 points a game for a team like the Houston Rockets is going 10. That's probably going to win 15 games this year and lose 70, 67. Is that really impressive? Like they always say, somebody has to score, Richard. Even though you're losing, you're not getting beat 100 to 40. You're still going to score your under points. Everyone averages 100 points a game this around in the NBA nowadays. So you got somebody's going to have to score. That doesn't mean you're a good player nor you're a good team. Thrift, as always, I just love talking basketball with you. Uh, You bring the passion to uh, sports talk, the hot sports takes. I really look forward to watching you. Too much of uh, Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins on Twitter. Because Kendrick Perkins, a week ago, tweeted out about Nate McMillan, said it's a disgrace that the Hawks fired him. I mean, just came in with the hot take. Just yeah. like he said, Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly was going to be an all-NBA caliber defensive backcourt. Neither one of them played for the Lakers anymore, Kendrick. But that's the beauty of what we do, man. We can make hot takes and just keep talking sports. All right, Thrift. Tell all my listeners where they can find you. Yep, so live on Sports Business Radio Show every Monday and Thursday, 4 to 6 p.m. on Flavor92.1.com. Play with 92.1 Radio FM dial, Sports Visions Radio app, and the Sports Visions Facebook page. We're live on there every Monday and Thursday. Got a big-time show on Thursday. Had a great one on Monday and a great conversation with me and DJ, so make sure you go in tune and check that out. 
I'll be live streaming tomorrow's semifinal games for the boys' middle school playoffs and the championship on Friday at Columbus State. Thursday, I'll be live streaming a pregame interview with Coach Corey Black and covering that I won't be able to live stream, but covering the Pacelli Vikings Final Four. Looking forward to going to that and looking forward to seeing hopefully a win against George Walton. So got a lot still left to do. Um, a lot going on in these next couple days, but you know, we live for this grind. It's a lot of fun and I enjoy it. So Thrift Barringer on Facebook, please go follow me. Uh, Thrift underscore Sports Visions TV on Instagram. And uh, Richard, I appreciate you as always. Thank you for being a part of my live streams throughout this year. I thought we had a lot of fun. I thought our broadcast, I listened to it like several times on Saturday, was fantastic. I thought the chemistry we finally got to get with each other as throughout the season. It's been a lot of fun. And I want to thank everyone for our, their support. And uh, ready to end out the basketball season with a bang, hopefully with a couple of state championships with the team still left playing. Absolutely. All right, Thrift Barringer from Sports Visions also calls basketball in the Chattahoochee Valley, not just for St. Ampicelli, but for a bunch of other basketball teams. Uh, just want to thank everybody once again for listening to the podcast and watching us on Facebook Live. And I uh, hope everybody has a great rest of your night, and uh, we will talk to you later. See you, guys. Night, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.